Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. Well, from one courageous hero to another, one of our own, Pam Gallagher, please come up to the stage. As she's coming, Pam and her husband Keith in 1972 showed great courage when they left Australia with two young kids and a third child being born overseas to go on mission for approximately 35 years, working in five different countries from Zambia, Zimbabwe, Papua New Guinea, Malawi and Mozambique. Keith still continues in the role of working with local pastors and church leaders in Zambia and Zimbabwe, making two visits a year. And together, Pam and Keith have been giants of the faith in the mission fields. Uh, And we want to just acknowledge your time and uh, your blessing to the nation of Africa, or the continent of Africa, I should say. Uh, Also, uh, your wonderful work with Voice as well. She never stops. So let's, we're privileged to have you come and join us, Pam. All the best. The short time I've got here, I obviously can't tell you all that happened in those 35 years, but I'm going to just share some, a few things that have um, impacted me or our life. So first of all, we are not David Livingston's, uh, so uh, we are just ordinary people, but God spoke to Keith at a mission meeting when he was 12 years of age, and later that, and he just knew that one day he would be in Africa, and that call was... Uh, affirmed when he was much older. So we set off in 1972 uh, for Zambia with Global Interaction and uh, we had two preschool children and I was seven months pregnant. Now, these days, we send our staff back to Australia to have babies. I'm not sure what happened, but I went out at seven months. But um, it was... we. we uh, Went out. Not we knew what we wanted to do, but we really had no idea what we were, what it was going to be all about. And you could almost call it was it courage or blind faith. Little did we know that this time that would uh, our journey would take us to five different countries and span a period of thirty-five years. Language learning is a challenge and anybody who has learnt another language can um, verify this. You need courage to go out and speak a new language because often you get it wrong and people laugh. And we were, not the, we were no exception. And I mean, I remember going down to a village and very, very seriously asking the mother if her child had, how many eyes her child had instead of how many teeth and, an, and another time, I went to make some arrangement with one of the church leaders, and in, what I, I just went, what I actually said to him was, asked him if he bit, and wondered why I didn't get a reaction. But what I really was thinking, I was saying, was, "Do you agree?" Keith, Keith was preaching one time and wondered why these young people were sniggering in the front row, and. And suddenly he realised he had the disciples weeing on the nets instead of mending their nets. (laughs) Being long-distance parents was, I felt, sacrifice rather than courage. Um, Our our three children at the age of five uh, went to boarding school about a 1,000 kilometres away um, 
at a place called Sakeji. And we didn't really see them. We, they were three months school, one month home. And uh, then they went to South Africa for their secondary schooling and for their tertiary in Australia. I felt we trusted God with our children when they were in Zambia. Then I thought we trusted them when they went, when, went back to uh, South Africa. But leaving a, the first one in Australia was a big leap. It, meant, it really required courage and trust. And I felt like God was saying at that time, if you believe you should go back, have the courage to trust him with me. And so we did just that. And it, what we'd own, like he was 17 year old, years of age, um, had been in strict boarding school. We were leaving him in Australia with a car and totally without supervision. And so it was, it was a big, big step of faith and trust. We hadn't been back long when we, um, someone told us that Stephen was being baptised. And what had happened was that Ken Wright had gone to Maylands Church with a, group, a, a lay uh, renewal team and Stephen had been blessed out of his boots. And as a result of that... Um, he joined a youth lay renewal team with Ken and it wasn't very long before he realised that God had gifted him with counselling. So he did a counselling course with Fred Stone and uh, later on he became chaplain of Como High School for 10 years. And I felt that God really honoured our trust. In our second term... uh, we lived in a farming area on the, uh, at a place called Makushi, and it was, is the map up there? Yes, it's actually, with how clear it is. But uh, it was along the Great North Road, which goes from uh, Zambia and the Copper Belt up to Tanzania. Keith would go with pastors and, and uh, some church leaders, and they would go out on each day with their bicycles, and they they would call it a village and there'd be a lady maybe making her porridge and they would say, can we come and tell you about Jesus? And more often than not, she'd say yes and she'd stop what she was doing and gather all the people in the village together and then they would, they would all sit there and listen to the gospel. Uh, usually at the end of that, many of them believed. So they would go back and teach for a whole week, every day, uh, the, the new believers. And, not, be, and be, not before long, there'd be a grass roof go up and some sticks, uh, and a church would be built, and that would be their church. Today, along that great north road, for 150 kilometres, there are 50 thriving churches they, because what they did at that, that place, they, they did at another place and another place. And so it's just wonderful to see these churches today, about 50 of them, absolutely thriving. You might wonder what I did. Well, we initially planned on living in this village where the pastor lived. So while Keith went off with the fellas and their bikes and things, I stayed behind with the women. And after a while, I noticed that they weren't doing what they normally did. 
because they were trying to be hospitable to me. So I said to them, look, don't worry about me. I'll go with you and do whatever you're doing. Um, So, of course, probably that week, they were out digging virgin soil, weren't they? So off we went with our hose. But, oh, it was a disaster. I ended up with blisters on my hands and just about sunstroke. And I thought, well, that's not very good. And then, of course, I felt I should take, do my share of carrying water. So I'd go off with my little plastic bucket. They'd go off with their big tins. We'd walk quite a distance to the river or to the well. And coming back, I'd end up with a half a bucket full and be absolutely drenched. And I thought to myself, this really is not working. It's better that I stay at our rented house in Makushi, which was on a farm, in a farm block, well, this was probably the hardest time of our time on the mission field. It was isolated. There was no security. There was no electricity. We were a long way from any of our colleagues. And uh, it was just very, very hard. But, you know, sometimes that's when God does his best work in the hard times. And it was during that period of time when Keith was able to do that church planting. And when I see those churches today, I just it makes the whole thing very worthwhile because I felt if I was not able to do that, then um, he would not have been able to do that work. And maybe those churches wouldn't be planted. I just want to tell you two little, two little short stories. One of them was I was driving down to the post office on a dirt road and um, there were logs on the road. And so I quickly, I left the motor running in the car and moved them. And while I was doing that, I thought they've been deliberately put here. And when I just moved them enough, two men appeared from behind bushes with guns and bayonet. And one of them came and put the bayonet on me and told me, don't move or I'll shoot. And he took my watch from me. And then he got into, they got into the car and they drove away. That's the first part of the story. The second part of the story is that a year later we were back in Australia and we were having dinner with some acquaintances. And these, the, the, uh, excuse me, the friend said, what time did that happen, your hold-up? So I told her. She looked at her husband and then she proceeded to tell me what had happened. She had been asleep that night and had woken up and felt compelled to pray for me. It had never happened before was very unusual but she prayed the next day she told her mother and she told a mutual friend and uh, it just absolutely blew me away to think that God thought I was important enough to wake someone up in the other side of Australia to pray for me and I just it just was a wonderful reassurance that that no matter who we are we are God's children and he does watch over us and look after us just want to finish by saying we're just so thankful to God for his faithfulness and protection and feel so privileged to have played a small part by going to places such as Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi, Mozambique, so that the Yao and others can understand about Jesus in a way that makes sense to them. We could not have done it without so many people's prayers and support and Mounties being one of them. So I just want to say a big thank you tonight for your part you played in our journey. 
I don't know if you've ever tried to do something to impress somebody else, but it's turned out to be a disaster. Uh, I can say that I've done it a number of times. <laughs> Story of my life. But I remember uh, the one time we were in the army doing national conscription and we, I was sleeping and the guys had been getting drunk in the bar and they came and they woke me up. They said, we need somebody to drive us to one of the pubs in the city. And so, I, uh, not by choice, I was harassed and put in the car and I was the only sober one, drove them to the city. They got nice and more drunk and so I drove them back and I thought, uh, you know, we'd drop them off. No, 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 just stop here at the gate. And so I stopped at the gate. They put me in the second uh, set of, of seats and uh, somebody else took over the driving. And there were two rugby fields on our base. And there were normally rabbits running around at night. And so the challenge, also known as Mission Impossible, was to go and try and knock a rabbit with a car full of lieutenants from the army. You get stupid people and then you get very stupid people. And we were the latter. And so we were seven officers in this car and the, one, the guy that was driving was chasing these rabbits, got onto its trail, and here we go after this rabbit and was heading straight for the rugby poles. And so he had to swerve and the car rolled. And we landed, or as it rolled, and stopped on its roof. And normally there would be a little bit of traumatic breathing and a little bit of sighing, but there was just laughter. That's what happens when you're drunk. Have you ever tried to impress someone and the opposite happened? Mission impossible. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set, where you set your foot as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, and all the Hittites country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Well, folk, it's the beginning of a new year. I don't know about you, but sometimes we feel tired already. And now somebody's telling us to be strong and courageous. Well, how does one do that? 
But I think firstly, according to this passage, we need to prepare our minds. Prepare our minds. So there needs to be mental preparation. On three occasions, God issues the command, be strong and courageous in verses 6, 7, and 9. And two wonderful Hebrew words that are used there uh, with reference to uh, these verses. The first one there is strong. It's the Hebrew word shazak. And so when, when, when God tells Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to lead you and lead the people into the promised land, you're going to need to be strong and courageous. David Livingston, prepare your heart, prepare your mind, prepare your spirit. I will go before you, but you, David Livingston, are going to need to be strong and courageous. You Christians sitting here tonight, me, you and I, if we're going to do great things for, the, for God, whether it's to our neighbor, to our work colleague, or even to the ends of the earth, the same message applies. We need to be strong and courageous. That Hebrew word strong, shazak, means we're going to need to continue in the things of God. We're going to need to bind ourselves together, repair anything that has been broken. That's what shazak means. No fisher person or fisherman or fisherwoman goes fishing, casts out a net when the net is broken. They need to repair the net, or else they won't uh, get a decent catch or catch uh, for that matter. And so shazak means bind, repair, recover that which was lost. Perhaps 2018 was not the best year and you had great ideas. Perhaps this year God wants to use you, but he, he calls us to be strong and courageous. Recover is what that word means, but also there's a sense of urgency in that word, in the word shazak. Be strong, but also courageous. Amatz is the Hebrew word there. It means be alert. Be alert with what God is doing. Henry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God, talks about see and look at what God is doing and jump on and join God what God is doing. In other words, open your spiritual eyes and see what God is doing. Prepare your mind and look because God is at work. It means prepare yourself and make yourself strong because God is doing things. And that's encouraging to know that you and I need to be strong and courageous. Why? Because six times... God promises that he will be with Joshua and he will give him success. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wow, what a blessing. And folks, it's not a a, a promise made by a, a mate. It's a promise made by God. Be strong and courageous. And the promise of God's presence and success does not remove the instruction uh, that comes to Joshua to be strong and courageous. And I wonder why that is. I don't know about you, but I've been in many situations where I feel God has led me, but I don't feel that God is there right there in the middle of the situation. But I really believe that God will not lead us where his grace cannot keep us. Can I say that again? God will never lead us where his grace cannot keep us. But in the middle of that battle, in the middle of that war, it might seem that God is absent But the promise is there. It's said six times in those nine verses. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Despite that, Joshua, you still need to be shazak, strong. You need to be amatz, courageous, because I am with you. I know that one person plus God 
equals a majority. And anybody that tries to harm a man or woman of God is going to come or second best. They're going to lose their spiritual teeth because God is on our side. And 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I remember when we lived up in Darwin, we, whenever somebody came to visit, we'd always take them to Crocodilus Park. And that there were jumping crocodiles and there were crocodiles all over the place. You didn't need to be strong and courageous because you were on the outside, on top, on a ledge, looking down. But if you landed in that den, you'd need to be very strong, very courageous, and probably tread water at the same time as well. But listen, in the middle of your journey, my friend, you need to be strong and courageous. I will never leave you nor forsake you, God says, but you'll need to be strong and courageous. God was instructing Joshua to toughen up his mind for action. Mental preparation was needed because it may not be easy. But we need to prepare ourselves, prepare our minds for for great things with God. You see, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Know that where God is leading you, you're preparing yourself and God has gone before you. And so make sure that there is mental preparation. But secondly, there needs to be spiritual preparation. You need to prepare your spirit for the things of God. Joshua needed to be diligent in the study of the scriptures and making sure that he obeyed all of God's commands. He was to meditate on it day and night. God was saying to him, Listen, Joshua, perhaps you don't have the rest of the Old Testament. Perhaps you don't have the New Testament. Perhaps you don't have internet and you have another course to attend. Five easy steps, how to become more spiritual. Ten easy steps on how to double your church in size. No, he didn't have that. But what he did have was the commands of God and he was to meditate on those commands day and night. In other words, he was to study the word of God obey the word of God, and meditate on it day and night. Perhaps you're sitting here, and you have to make a decision at some stage about work, about a relationship, about a work situation, whatever it might be. God is saying, listen, meditate on my word, and I will give you the answer. The easy option is to take a coin out of your pocket, flip it, heads you go this way, tails you go this way. Heads, I'll stay in the relationship, tails, I'll get out of the relationship. That's not how God operates. God speaks in a number of ways. Firstly, through general or natural revelation, through creation and nature, but also through His Word. We call that special revelation. God speaks to each and every one of us in a special way. You might have been reading a passage so many times, you know the story off by heart, but this particular time as you read that passage, it seems like it's highlighted. It's for you. God has inscribed it in your heart, as it were. He's speaking to you. God speaks through his word. It's called special revelation. He hasn't stopped speaking through his word. There are people that are consulting fortune tellers and a whole lot of other different things. Friends, the truth comes from the word of God. As we meditate on it, God will speak through his word. And so if there are decisions to be made, may we be saturated by the word of God because God still speaks through his word. And may we focus on it. There's so much junk around, so we need to know the truth between, or, or know the, the facts between truth and opinion. There are heaps of opinions out there. There have been way 
uh, many yesterday, there'll be new ones today and even more new ones tomorrow. But if you know what is right, you can pick up what is wrong. Joshua, you're going to need to be strong and courageous. I will never leave you nor forsake you, but you're going to need to meditate on the Word of God day and night. Friends, this amazing book is a book of life. It's a book of life. Uh, 66 books, 40 different authors written over so many years, and it all makes sense. Spurgeon said it this way. He said, firstly, study the Word of God. Secondly, know the difference while you're studying between truth and opinion. And thirdly, hold on and obey the truth. Joshua is told in verse 8 to study and meditate, to study and reflect on our daily living. How do we put this book into practice? Joshua, hold on to the things of God. Firstly, mental preparation. Secondly, spiritual preparation. And then what else can we really do? He's supposed to prepare himself. He would need to be strong and courageous. And then what? And then what? Well, then you relax in the things of God. Micah read from Psalm 46. God has gone before us. Nature obeys him. And we need to acknowledge and be still and know that he is God. To be silent and know that he is God. That God is in control. He's not lost the plot. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait, the King James says, those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That word, wait or hope, is the Hebrew word kwava, which means those who bind themselves together through the twisting. If I were to take a piece or a rope, you know that its, its strands are bound together and they twist it together. That's what makes the rope strong. Those who are bound together with the things of God will renew their strength. Those who are joined to God, those who take courage and are confident in the things of God will renew their strength. I don't know where you are in your journey, the beginning of a new year, but is God calling you to be strong and courageous? Is he calling you to your own, what might seem a mission that is impossible? Well, it might seem that way, but with God, all things are possible. But we need to prepare our minds we need to prepare our spirits, and then we rest in the Lord. Let me end off by reading a story. It's called, Can You Sleep When the Wind Blows? Years ago, a farmer owned land along the Atlantic seacoast. He constantly advertised for hired hands. Most people were reluctant to work on farms along the Atlantic. They dreaded the awful storms that raged across the Atlantic, wreaking havoc on the buildings and crops. As the farmer interviewed applicants for the job, he received a steady stream of refusals. Finally, a short, thin man, well past middle-aged, approached the farmer. Are you a good farmhand? The farmer asked him. Well, I can sleep when the wind blows, answered the little man. Although puzzled by his answer, the farmer, desperate for help, hired him. The little man worked well around the farm, busy from dawn to dusk, and the farmer felt satisfied with the man's work. Then one night, the wind howled loudly in from offshore. Jumping out of bed, the farmer grabbed a lantern and rushed next door to the hired hand's sleeping quarters. 
He shook the little man and yelled, Get up! A storm is coming! Tie things down before they all blow away. The little man rolled over in bed and said firmly, No, sir, I told you I can sleep when the wind blows. Enraged by the response, the farmer was tempted to fire him on the spot. Instead, he hurried outside to prepare for the storm. To his amazement, he discovered that all of the haystacks had been covered uh, with tarpaulins. The cows were in the barn, the chickens were in the coops, and the doors were barred. The shutters were tightly secured. Everything was tied down. Nothing could blow away. Farmer then understood what his hired hand meant, so he returned to his bed to also sleep while the wind blew. When you're prepared spiritually and mentally, you have nothing to fear. Can you, can I, sleep through the storms of life? The hired hand in the story was able to sleep because he had secured the farm against the storm. We secure ourselves through the storms of life by grounding ourselves in the Word of God. We don't need to understand every single thing. We just need to hold on to His commands and order to have peace in the middle of storms. I wonder where you are in your life tonight. If God is calling you to an impossible mission, to what seems impossible for you, take courage, be strong. God has gone before you. He has promised never to leave you nor forsake you. Take that stand. Go with him. Be strong and courageous. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we are able to accomplish anything on this earth. Lord, we try in our own strength. We fail. We fall short. But by your grace, by your mercy, by hoping and renewing our faith in you, Lord, we're able to do things with your power. Help us, Lord, to be strong, to recover that which has been lost, to mend that which has been broken, and, Lord, to be courageous as we go into this world that you've gone before. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love. We glorify you tonight and ask you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you'd like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, then you can contact the team at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church by calling the office during office hours on 9329 Thanks for joining us. We look forward to your company again soon. God bless.